Okay, so Steve plans this every year, uh, more specials, a couple songs where they practice a little bit more, and they, they give us a few more special songs. And I wanted to be a part of it, but he wouldn't let me play anything, because um, I don't, and he wouldn't let me sing, because I can't. But I said, I've got to do something, and today we're talking about Joseph. And so it's kind of the dad's theme, you know, what would dads like about this? And so me as a dad and non-musical, here's my part of Big Music Sunday. All right, watch this. I'm just glad Chewie doesn't know verse two. Um, <laughs> verse one is good enough. We, we got the hint, right? So we've been in this series called Not So Silent Night, even though that song, Silent Night, is something that we sing at Christmas and we feel this, everything was calm and peaceful when Jesus was born and that's what Christmas is all about and probably not. It probably wasn't very silent during that time period. We've unpacked some things around that. And here's another reason. Well, okay, this cartoon probably shows why it was a silent night. The real reason it was a silent night. How many times do I have to say, I'm sorry, I forgot to make reservations at the end? Okay. And Mary wasn't speaking to Joseph that night, and it became a silent night. But Joseph is an important part of the story. Now, I get it. Jesus is the main character. Jesus is the main character. We, it all focuses on him, and that's who we study and learn about, and that's the focus of the story. Not just the Christmas story, but the whole story of Scripture. But yet, there's some important characters around it. I get it. And, you know, in the kids' Christmas plays when I was growing up, no one got to brag that they were Jesus in the Christmas play. You know, I got the part of Jesus. It was a baby, usually a baby doll, even at that. And no one got that part, but somebody had to play Joseph. And it's an important piece of the puzzle. So why was Joseph so important? Let's unpack that this morning. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1 is where I'm going to be today. Matthew 1. Um, if you need a Bible on either side of the room, you can grab one of those or get your phones out and turn to your Bible app. In fact, follow us on that Bible app. You'll see it in, under the events. You can find Crestview and we put all our scripture on there. Now I'm using the NIV this morning. That's what's going to be on the screen. Usually I use the English Standard Version, the ESV, to preach with. Today's the NIV, and there's some cool things, I think, of how they word some things in that that I like. So uh, Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. It's important to see. This was not Joseph's child Mary became pregnant, and she became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. God worked a miracle in her, and she became pregnant that way. But it says this, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, and not quite yet, they were still engaged, but they called them husbands and wives even at that point. Her husband was a righteous man. 
And we don't have much to go on here. There's not much that we can learn about this man, Joseph. We have very little on the dude, but yet it's very important and it's all good. And I've thought about it for myself. I hope that you have done this as well. Maybe I more than others, because I, I go to a lot of funerals because I, I perform at those. I, I serve at those. And so I've had these thoughts. I tend to think often, what are people going to say about me someday when it's my service, when it's my funeral? What, what is it that people are going to say about me? And I know that starts today. What I choose to do today will be part of that story. And I don't need it to be very long. I'm not thinking it needs to be very much. And in fact, when I look at this story and I look at this, if all they say about me was he was a righteous dude, then that's got to be pretty good, right? That's got to be it. And for us to look at it and say, Joseph, this is what we know about him. He was righteous. Man, we could take a lot from that, and I hope that we can learn from this. So let's see how, why, what made him righteous. He was righteous, and we know this by the law. The law is an important piece of the puzzle during this time period. And to read a little bit into it, you'll see that the law plays a big part of what's going on during this time. And Joseph did his best to obey the law, which is what made him righteous during this time period. Jesus came to us to give us grace, but during the time that he was born, they were still under the Old Testament law. So we have to see this in the book of Galatians. This is not just Old Testament stuff. So New Testament, when um, Paul was writing to the church of Galatia, he wrote about it like this. He said, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law. So we have to see this. They're still operating under the Old Testament covenant, the law, to redeem those that during that time period that were still living under the law. It hadn't shifted to grace yet with Jesus. They were living under the law. That we then, because of Jesus, can receive the full rights of being children of God. Otherwise, we had to go through all kinds of different things, and we had to observe the law the best we could. We had to become righteous that way, and this is how they were living. And we can't get away from it. Even today, the law is important. The law is good for us. There is a reason for the law, and it is helpful for us to grow closer to God in that. Mary, here she was. She was pregnant, and Joseph knew it wasn't his baby. He is pretty confident how this works, and I know that's not my kid. The law then was pretty pretty specific during this time about what was going to happen. Do you know? Do you know what should have happened to Mary? By observing the law, and if Joseph was a righteous man, and we see that he was righteous by the law, he should have been following the law. And this is what the law says. Deuteronomy, this is one of the Old Testament books, chapter 22, says it this way, If, however, the charge is true, and no proof of the girl's virginity can be found, she shall, she, she shall be brought to the door of the father's house, and there the men of the town shall stone her to death. Capital punishment for being pregnant before she was married. Wow. That seems strict, doesn't it? For the law, 
And I get it. This is why, and as a pastor, I understand this, and maybe you're here. This is why I have a hard time saying, and you might, I believe it this way, you might have said this before, you might have a hard time sitting there listening to a pastor say, the Bible says. Because you know as well that when I say the Bible says, the Bible also says things like this. If there is a young girl who gets pregnant before she's married, she should be stoned to death. And you're like, really? And if that's what the Bible says, I'm not sure I want to believe any of it. Why would I believe the other stuff? I'm not sure I want to follow a book that says this kind of thing. And, and it's tough when we take one scripture, when we take one verse or two verses, we pull them out and we say, this is what the Bible says. You must follow this. This is the law. We struggle with that because we don't sometimes understand the, the concepts, the, the theories, the principles maybe behind why it might be saying that. But we know that Joseph was a righteous man, according to the law. And this is the law. God loves those who follow the law. This is what made him righteous. Let's jump to the New Testament, all right? Let's, let's grab this whole book together. If we go to the New Testament, the new covenant that was made because of Jesus, we see in Romans chapter 3 that no one can be righteous, not even one. This is what Romans 3 teaches us. No one, none of you can follow the law well enough to become righteous before. But yet in Matthew it says Joseph was. So if Matthew claims that Joseph was righteous and Paul is writing in Romans that no one can be righteous, we have to land somewhere with that. Is he going to follow the law to the T and make sure that Deuteronomy is followed with Mary? Or is there something more than that? It says in Romans 3 verse 20, no one can be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. So with that, I see there has to be something more. What can Joseph do to make a difference with this? And I believe it's found in this, the principles of the law. There's a difference between the law and the principles behind the law. What we teach our children to do strictly and and the principle that we're trying to teach them of what to do, of what's right. Following the law up to this point right now in the story, Joseph was made righteous because he followed the law but it's shifting. Something's happening. Following the principles of the law makes him and us righteous continuing after this. The principles of the law show the character of God, and I believe we're going to look at Joseph's character, not just the law, but his character as he follows the character of God. So I believe Joseph was made righteous also by his character. His character is important. Verse 19 And he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. He loved this girl. And he had character. He understood the principle behind the laws. What was behind this? Why was this law even put in place? And my character to follow not only justice but grace. How do we do this? I believe we're in this struggle. In my life, in your life, I think in the society that we live in, we struggle with this concept. How do we serve justice? Because we want to do what's right, right? You, you all want to do what's right, but you also want to love. You want to tell people the truth, but you want to love them through it. You don't want to lie, so truth is important, but yet love also 
trumps some of that. Love is so important. We want to love each other. And we see this message, right? We should love everyone, but yet truth still has to be told somehow. How do we merge these things together without someone thinking I hate them because I don't agree with them? Is this true? I I think we wrestle with this. In fact, Rick Warren, I've seen this quote by many other people online. Rick Warren, I think, is where I traced it back to the closest. He said it this way. He said, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that you have to disagree with someone's lifestyle. Sorry, the first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second lie is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. I can disagree with you and still love you. I can still love you and show you grace and not believe or agree with everything that you choose to do or say. So I believe Joseph was in a tight spot. How do I follow through with the law and how do I show grace to this girl that I love? He had some options. So he's going back. He understands the law. Here were his options. Under the Roman law during this time period, Joseph could do this. Number one, he could make a public example of this girl. That is, he could charge her with adultery. Um, He could do this in a public court. She would be shamed. She would be brought to trial. She could be convicted in front of everyone, ruined in terms of her reputation. And if he took one step further on option one, she could probably be stoned to death. Here's option two, though. There really was a second option within this. If you read further in Deuteronomy, you would see that there's another option, and it was this. The other possibility under the law, and he could still be right and still be righteous, was that he could quietly, with two or three witnesses, write out a bill of divorce in their relationship. There would be no public hearing. No one would need to know. She could simply go away. Just raise his child somewhere else. No one would need to know. He would still be righteous because he's following the law. And he would be showing her a little bit of mercy because he wouldn't take it to the extent that the first option gave. But he had to, he had to wrestle with this. And I love this quote, Bob Goff. If you, don't, if you haven't read Bob Goff, I would encourage you sometime pick up a Bob Goff book. Um, this is good. He said it this way, be patient when things get weird. Be patient when things get weird. The angels explain things to Joseph after he talked to Mary, not before. Now let that one set with you for just a little bit. Joseph had to get to this point in his decision. He had to make some decisions. He had to do something before the angels talked to him. Things were weird. He didn't know what was going on. Mary had come and talked to him, but he didn't know the background or what was really happening. And he had to get to this point with just the information that was in front of him. What about you? Have you ever been there? Have things ever got weird in your life and you're like, I don't don't know. I wish God would just, you know, send me an email and tell me exactly what to do, but it doesn't work like that. I wish I had some easy steps to take, but... You might have to set on a weird decision or a weird situation for a day or a week or years. 
Maybe you're still sitting on it and you're like, I, I still don't know what to do. I'm still in a weird spot and I'm just walking it. I'm just trying to figure it out as we go along. Be comfortable with that when things get weird. And remember, I don't know how long it was. I don't know if it was a couple hours. I don't know if it was a couple days. My guess is it wasn't very long. But at some point, God had to intervene, and he came to Joseph, and Joseph had to trust in his God. I believe Mary explained it the best she could, but it took an angel coming to Joseph to explain it before he made his decision. The law spelled out what was righteous, what he should have done according to the law, but his character drove him to follow what God taught him, which was this, option three. He had a third option. Joseph really loved this girl. He didn't want her to be stoned. He did not want her to be shamed in public. So by his faith, this is what he did. And I believe his righteousness was shown in his faith to follow God. After he considered this, the angel came to him. This is Matthew again, chapter 1, verse 20. um, And following, an angel came to him in a dream. So he said, probably like this, I got to sleep on this. This is a big decision. I'm just going to sleep on it and see how I feel tomorrow. And during his sleep, an angel came to him and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take this young girl as your wife. What she is saying is true. She did not have an affair. The Holy Spirit came on her. And she's going to give birth, and it's going to be a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus, and he's going to save his people. He's he's really saying, come on, dude, do it. You can do this. In fact, it's a prophecy. You know the prophecy. You remember the prophets of old. This is the Messiah. People are going to call him Emmanuel, and it means God with us, and God is with you. You can do it. So when he woke up, he took Mary as his wife, And they got married. God knew he was a righteous man. God knew that he would do the righteous thing. But here's what I like in this story. God still gave him a choice. Joseph still had a choice. He didn't have to choose option three. He could have chose option one, and it still would have been under the law. But God gave him a choice, and I believe he gives us choices all the time. What do you choose? For us, the law is given to us out of love, not to punish us, not to harm us, but to protect us from sin and the heartache and the heartbreak that sin can be in our lives. And I watch this and I see a shift happening from the law, righteousness, to um, the righteousness of Joseph and the grace of Jesus. And the shift is starting to happen right now here in Joseph. It says in Romans chapter 6, you have been set free from sin. You have become slaves to righteousness. We're being set free from the law and being opened up to this gift of grace and righteousness. And it's starting here with Joseph as the father of Jesus. Freed from sin, freed from the law, given the gift of righteousness. And it's his faith that does it. It says faith, obedience to the principles. Not necessarily the law, word by word, but the principles that come behind it. How do these go together? And for me, I get it. Obedience is hard. I don't like obedience any more than you guys do. This is tough to obey those principles that that God teaches us. 
Why do I follow the Ten Commandments or the Old Testament rules, the laws, the principles of that that God has established? It's not to become perfect because I've learned in Romans I can't be. I've already messed up. I've already made mistakes, so I can't be. It's not to be better than you. I'm not here to judge you or to show you up or to say, look at me, I'm better than you are. It's, it's not to do that. Is it really to get a reward from God? There's a little bit in there. God has promised some things, and therefore I want to follow because God says if you follow these things, it'll be good for you. If you don't lie, steal, cheat, right? It's your faith saying that God knows what's best. If I do serve and pray and tithe, you know, the things that He teaches us, if I do those things, it's me saying, I trust you, God, and the teachings that you give. It's not about me, it's about God. So really, it's an attack on my pride. When I choose to be righteous, it's me saying, God knows better, I don't. I'm going to choose to follow him because he's going to guide me the best that he can. This isn't about me and my way of doing it. Therefore, pride has to be set aside, and righteousness comes through in selflessness. So I see it here in Joseph as well. Joseph was made righteous because of his selflessness. Verse 25, after they got married, he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Someone once said, love is blind and marriage is an institution. Therefore, marriage is an institution for the blind, right? There's some truth in that, really. I think in order to be in a marriage relationship, there are a lot of things that we have to be blind to. We have to overlook in each other. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not self-seeking. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not easily angered, right? It, It keeps no records of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil. It rejoices in the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It's my selflessness that helps my marriage the most. It's setting aside pride and saying, God, I know what's better than you. It's setting that aside and saying, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to try and be righteous by the law, the principles that you have set up, and follow those the best I can. I don't know if you noticed in that last verse, verse 25 there, they finalized their marriage. They got married meaning they had a honeymoon. I don't know where they went. We don't know if they went on a trip together somewhere, if they had a real honeymoon, but they had a first night together. You know what happens on a marriage night, right? Between a husband and wife. Not with Joseph. That's being humble. That's setting aside selfishness and saying this is what I would want right he was righteous because he set aside what he wanted to follow what God had directed him to do selflessness humble Joseph had accepted Mary grace they took a trip to Bethlehem the law he was following the law because the law said you had to register so he was following that And he took his pregnant wife on this journey. And then they got there, and they had an unfortunate situation. There was no room for them. And I look at that and say, wait a minute, he was righteous. Shouldn't have God opened up a 
room for them somewhere along the way? Shouldn't have God blessed them somehow with a place to have this baby? No, even times when we are righteous, we get put in uncomfortable, weird situations. And then this happens with the life of Joseph. We don't see much of him after this. There might be a line or two in the, in the Gospels, but we don't see Joseph after the birth of Jesus, really. Really? It's because the story's not about him. He's selfless in this. It's not about him. It's about Jesus. My theory, this is just my theory, there's nothing, you know, really supporting some of this, but I believe that Joseph probably died before the ministry of Jesus began. So sometime when Jesus was either still a child, still in his youth, or still in his young adult years, his dad died, and he had to bury his dad. He had to walk through some pain and struggle, and I believe there were times in his life where it was just weird. So I want to go back to this, and maybe this is for you. Be patient when things get weird. Remember Joseph, the angels didn't come to him until after he had heard from Mary. Be patient when things get weird in your life and you're wondering what's going on here. I don't know what to do next. Be patient with that. You never know when God is going to complete the story or how he's going to complete the story with you. He's got a plan and he's going to make it happen. In fact, Isaiah chapter 60 verse 22 is from the New Living Translation. The smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I the Lord will make it happen. At the right time. It might not be my time, it might not be your time, the way we would want it. But at the right time, God's time, he is going to make Whatever situation is weird in our life, he's going to make that happen for us. Continue to trust in him. And if you don't know who this Jesus is, the story that's all about him, I'd love to share him with you. And if you do, keep trusting in this God. If you would, we're going to prepare our hearts now for a time to remember Jesus. If you would, let's stand together and let's sing as we get ready.